0: CyberSynapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to Cyber CyberSynapse. This week I'm joined by Gary Hibbard again, um, and one of the reasons Gary's on this uh, podcast today is because of something I've been seeing quite a lot of on social media, and this is something called GDPR so Gary what's GDPR?
1: Well it's a really good question um, GDPR it's a, a lovely acronym and there are lots around um, to give it its official title it's the general data protection regulations um, or as I prefer to call it it's uh, giving data proper respect so it's um gdpr is the, a new regulation that is um uh, coming into force or actually is in place right now uh, it came uh, it came in place uh, last uh, april um 2016 but it will be enforced from the 25th of may uh, 2018 so it's a fundamental change in how we use data and how we think about data but one of the first things I would say about GDPR is that it's not uh, revolutionary, it's evolutionary. We've had the data Protection, data Protection Act around for quite a few years. Um, this is just a recognition that you know things have moved on since 1998 and um, we've uh, moved into a digital era and the way that we use data and the way that information is created is, uh, has changed. So that's what GDPR is.
0: Okay, so I'm just thinking about the the people who will be listening and watching this. Um, How would you define data? And I'm thinking in uh, in respect of, um, obviously the people who I uh, chat to on social media tend to be uh, counsellors, psychotherapists, psychologists, lots of people who work in private practice and also within organisations. So how would you define data?
1: Okay, well, um, in terms of GDPR, Uh, It's it talks about it's about protection of personal data. So that's the first thing but um, Personal data and the uh, definition of it is very very broad essentially, it's uh, any um, online identifier um, so it can be something as um, Small and as simple as an email address. It can be your name and address obviously The standard things you would expect, which is personal, I'm sure you could think of what is personal to yourself. So your date of birth, uh, your um, national insurance number, um, your marital status, all those sorts of things will uh, come under the definition of personal data. You also have a further definition which is sensitive um, uh, data, which would be medical um, information, sexual orientation, for instance, membership of trade unions, those sorts of things. And it's not just online data, it's also offline, so it's physical data as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's maybe <clears throat> the confusion that I've been seeing on um, lots of the pages that I, I um, see on social media, that actually one of the things I'm seeing for particularly the trainees and counsellors and psychotherapists in private practice is that they're, they're struggling to understand what what digital data is, what offline data is, that there's words being bandied around, around encryption. And, and, and I'm just thinking about how how we can explain this. So obviously, I have a slightly different slant on, on using this information for counsellors and psychotherapists. But we are talking about um, GDPR across the remit here, because obviously, there's going to be more than counsellors and psychotherapists that listen to this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have uh, personal data in some shape or form. We use it. Um uh, we you know, if we run businesses, uh, especially, you have employee, your employee data, for instance. Um, I I actually just say to people and I do have to make this um, uh, difference, which is you know this it is it is, per, it is uh, physical data as well as, as well as technical data. Um, but actually under GDPR, it doesn't really make that um, that distinction. It yeah. just says it's personal data. So in whatever medium you are holding it, you know, just stop confusing yourself by saying, well, I don't know if this is personal because it's, or if it's under the remit of this because it's uh, electronic or it's not electronic. How you are storing that, it needs to be secure. So if you are storing all your medical records uh, in a filing cabinet, then lock the filing cabinet. Make sure that people who have access to that filing cabinet are only the people who need to have access to it. Um, whether that filing cabinet happens to be your Dropbox account is, an, is, an, is the same question. Who has access to it? Where is that? that you know, additional questions, of course, but um, you know, let's stop confusing ourselves and just remember that personal data is a fairly simple definition. And if you read GDPR, and it amazes me how many people are concerned with GDPR and have yet to read it. It's only 261 pages.
0: I, we, we've, we've talked about this before. It's only a short essay, isn't it? It's it isn't only
1: a short essay, <laughs> but it's worth reading. I mean, genuinely, you know, um, I, I get quite excited about it, not because of the fact that um, I'm a legal eagle or, you know, uh, that much of a geek, which we both know I am. But it's if you look at the regulation itself, it's talking about you and I. It's talking about our families. It's talking yeah. about us. Um, and that's why I get quite excited about it because I know it's going to impact me personally. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important for people to have a look at the, the, the regulation. But if you look under Article 4, which is the definitions of GDPR, right at the very top, the very first section, it talks about what personal information is. And at no point does it say, oh, and don't worry, if it's, if it's physical, if it's a, a printed out document, it doesn't matter. It just says, this is, yeah. this. this is what it is. And then the rest of the uh, GDPR simply says, and this is how you're going to protect it.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of just thinking about um, uh, the conversation that we had earlier, and and I'm just thinking about c- questions I get asked about um, what I do as a therapist, and then how, um, how I actually work that into how I work. So I I have a social media um, contracts, but I also have a contract that talks about GDPR and ICO, and and what I actually do is show the client what I'm going to do with their data and I get their consent. Um, so I'm just thinking about two questions here, Gary. There's, there's the first one, which is, so this actually covers uh, CCTV, phones, any kinds of recordings that might happen. Obviously, whilst in training, we're, we're expected to some, uh, to sometimes tape what we're actually doing with a client via a dictaphone or some people might use their phone. So actually, we are talking about anything that belongs to another person that's personal.
1: Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, everything that y- you do, um, and the, the medical industry in, in its broadest sense, um, yeah. including everything you do, um, I would say I have the, you know, the, um, we should all have the correctest level of concern about what we're doing with that data. Yeah. You know, it's highly sensitive, especially what you're doing and other, other counsellors are doing, that information that is collected. And we all need to... Um, And this is a fundamental shift under GDPR is we all need to think about the risks to the rights and freedoms of individuals. So it's not, you know, if this information gets out into the public domain, what would happen to my reputation? It's if this information got out into the public domain, what would it mean to the data subjects? What would it mean to them?
0: Yes, And we
1: have to then put in appropriate technical and operational controls to protect that information. Now, under GDPR, it uses that phrase, appropriate technical and operational controls. And it actually uses another phrase, which I think is a beautifully phrased uh, way of putting things. And it talks about s- a- state of the art controls, meaning that what is state of the art today, in 10 year time, may be a completely different thing. Absolutely. So encryption, and encryption is, um, please let me come back to encryption later because it's a big, big issue. Um, okay or a big myth around it. But encryption is one example where you could say today's encryption is a, um, is a state of the art approach, but in five years time, encryption might be completely blown out of the water and something else might be in place. You know, we've got, we got uh, augmented reality and virtual reality and all these new things, biometric stuff coming in. So what is state of the art today may not be the same in a few years time. So, um, When we're protecting data such as recordings, yes, we should be thinking about how are we protecting that. And if people are recording things on their phone, the question is, is that information protected? Is it encrypted? Um, If they're transmitting it, how is it being transmitted? How is that being controlled? And if they're recording it using a notepad, a pen and notepad, the question is, is how am I protecting that? If I leave it on my desk, that's not state-of-the-art, guys. You need to think about putting maybe scanning it, shredding it, burning it whatever it might be but appropriate technical and operational controls
0: yeah and i I, i'm just going to reflect back that i've heard people saying um and and talking about well uh you know it's on my computer and i say are there other people in your house Uh, we're talking about actually lots of times computers can be accessed by other members of the family therefore is it a way that you've kind of protected that information um I mean, I, I, uh, as we're talking now, um, one of the things that we had a little bit of a joke around was um, the fact that I've had to ask for your consent to uh, do this interview, but also it's because this is uh, uh, data that I'm then gonna further broadcast. Yeah. So, so we've, we've had a conversation beforehand about this is, this is something that we should be doing with uh, all of our clients, uh, in, particularly in, in the roles that I have. And, and this is how we should use data. But also protect it is it 's always about the consent from the other person um, and i 'm yeah, just thinking this is this is where we got into the confusion um, earlier well not not me and you um, but there was there was other people that are in the confusion around this um, information commissioner 's office and whether you are registered as a data controller, um, which always makes me think of Thomas the tank engine or whether. <laughs> Whether you're, um, you know, a data owner, a data transmitter, so, so, do you think you could kind of clear this up so that people actually understand the difference between ICO, GDPR, and, you know, what what we're actually doing with this this data?
1: Okay, um, quite a few things in there. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, yeah. just You'll throw everything you. at me, and I'll just answer it all. <laughs> okay. You you, yeah. you take a seat and let me, you know, let me know when we're finished. Um,
0: we tea?
1: Yeah, you go for that. Um, so. Okay, so I wrote a couple of points down there just to make sure. Try and keep on track. So first of all, the ICO, the ICO um, in the um, in the UK is the Information Commissioner's Office. Um, we also have the ICO, who is a person, the Information Commissioner um, Officer, um, Commission Officer, and that's Elizabeth Denham at the moment. Um, so the ICO, as an organisation, they're the ones who are known as the supervisory authorities. So they're the ones setting the rules. So GDPR is the regulation that we're all going to have to comply with. Um, the ICO are the ones who are going to enforce it. In terms of what people are doing with data, you really have, there's two sort of key roles uh, within all of uh, GDPR. It is the data controller and it is the data processor. So the yeah. data controller is the person who collects the data so if I said to you, Kath, right, I'd like you to fill in this form for me. Uh, and I put that form together that says, can you give me your name, your date of birth, your address, um, give me your blood type, and uh, tell me about any nightmares you've been having, any psychological problems. We're gonna discuss that. I wanna keep it on this this document. I am now the data controller. If I then store that information on my computer, and i then decide to maybe put that with other people's information maybe for statistical and analysis sort of um, approach i'm also the data processor so i am both a data controller and the data processor yeah. the data processor could be a completely separate organization so it could be that let's say for instance you took all of your um medical records and information and you upload that to a central database over here and that a okay. central reason, their raison d'etre for, for being in place, is to collate all of this medical information. They are the data processor, but you are still the data controller. Yeah, now, yeah. the obligations on you both under GDPR um, are, are almost identical now, that again, the ambiguity between what the data controller um, does and the rules around them and the data processor um, have been uh, removed. So it's essentially saying under GDPR, both of you need to take care of the information that you've been provided. Yeah. So they're the kind of the key roles. And so when you and your other counsellors um, uh, are collecting information from the people who are coming to see you, I would just simply see yourself as, you are the data controller, you are the person who are setting the rules about how that data is going to be stored and processed. And yeah. processed literally is, people say to me, well, what, what, Am I processing it if I just store it? Yes. Am I, am I processing it if I send it somewhere? Yes. Am I processing it just yes? If you're doing anything with data, you're a processor. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's not
1: difficult, it yeah. really isn't. I'd like to also go back to the beginning what you talked about with consent. Under uh, GDPR, there are a number of lawful bases upon which you can process data. And you have to, as an organization or as an individual, have to decide upon what is the basis upon which you are processing data. So there are, there are in actual fact, six reasons why you can process someone's data. Um, and it's, it's, all, it's all registered and, and again, Article six of the regulation, so it, it lays it out in very simple layman's terms. You can only process data for if you've sought someone's consent, that's one reason. Uh, And then there's five other reasons. And I actually say to people, look, if you can possibly find another reason to um, process someone's data, then find it because consent, it it actually, there's more obligations on you now because me as a data subject, I have additional rights if we are processing something under consent. Um, But when it comes to medical records and, um, and especially children, you have to absolutely have consent to process that data.
0: Yes. So you have to be
1: very clear, and as you rightly said at the bit outset, when I obtain that information, Gary, I will I seek your consent. Is it okay for me to do this? But also, under GDPR, it says you have to tell me what you're going to do with it. So you yes. will have to start to say to people, um, I'm going to record this on CCTV. I'm recording it on my phone. And once I've recorded it on my phone, I will then transmit it to my home PC. It will be stored on my PC for 100 days. Three hundred days, a year, ten years, whatever it might be. You set the rules around it, but you can only process it for the reasons that you uh, that is necessary. Um, but it has to be very clear and transparent.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm. My head went off on a conversation that I've had at a number of conferences. Um, you mean you drifted off? I, of course, that's that's what I meant. Um, I'm just thinking about the idea of, um, and I, obviously I know the answers to this because I've talked to a lot of people about it. However, this gets it out into the, the domain of working with children. So actually I know that anybody under the, so we're looking at the, the EU laws that have been around ages of consent that children can uh, give permission around their data, but also what happens when they get to 13. And I think in terms of working with children, this this is something that now is is going to be really on the minds of child practitioners. So I, I obviously work with children and I ask parents if I can take the data, you know, and that and that's the consensual process because the children are under thirteen. Yeah. But obviously we then get into this um, what's classed as pretty much a grey domain with something called gillick competency and whether the child is okay to give permission for their data. But uh, is it is it right that the GDPR says it's thirteen?
1: It's in actual fact, it's the and this is where it gets interesting as well. um, The new data protection bill that is coming into into force, which is expected to be in place um, probably by February March next year, so certainly in front of um, uh, May when GDPR becomes um, uh, enforceable. uh, It's within the data protection bill within the UK, which is now setting the age of as thirteen. So it's basically. That's when that's when you stop being a child sexually uh, essentially in the eyes of data protection so seeking consent after 13 other other rules will apply
0: yeah so so in terms of um, uh, psychotherapists working with children actually anybody under the age of 13 we need to be getting parental consent because sitting and working with a child and making notes about them means that we are now taking that data and therefore we need to have that parental consent in order to process that data.
1: Absolutely, and it has to be clear if you are seeking yes. consent. And again, these are words that are used within the GDPR without repeating it verbatim. But it has to be clear and unambiguous and easily easy to understand. And consent yes. must be as easy to um, give as it uh, as it is to um, sorry uh, easy to retract as it is to give. So. Yes yeah you know it can't be all tied up in legalese and you know in the midst of a 30 page document it has to be very clear i'm giving consent for my data to be used in this way
0: yeah yeah and obviously be, being a researcher that's one of the things that I'm i'm aware of is is when um when we ask a participant to be in the research we say this is what will happen to your data this is how long it will be held this is what will happen to it afterwards there's there's quite a lot of ethics that go around research and how we actually take that data. So that's the kind of uh, paradigm and um, uh, approach that I've been using as a private practitioner, which yeah. is why I was thinking this is this is really helpful for people who do work in this way. Um, so, so the conversation you said to come back to was obviously um, encryption, but I'm thinking we haven't quite got to the ICO GDPR difference yet, so. A, okay. lot, a lot of what I'm thinking, Gary, is a lot of counsellors will will say that they're recommended to register with the ICO as a. Ah, okay. Ruler, okay. But also, the GDPR ruling means you know, as we have kind of alluded to before this conversation began. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of confusion.
1: Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying, and uh, and I think um, you're right. It's an interesting one. The um, under the current Data Protection Act, <laughs> as, well as probably you're aware that you know, there's a requirement to register with the ICO um, because you are a data controller or you're a data processor and that cost is, you know, £35 or £500 depending upon you, the organisation itself. Um, that, that caused confusion um, with the Data Protection Act for a lot of organisations because, and even now I will stand in front of an audience of, you know, 50 or 60 people and say, are you registered with the ICO? And many of them will say they're unsure Uh, Or they'll say no. And it's, well, you are breaking the the, the law because you're processing data and yet you've not registered. Yeah. So a lot of organisations, either through ignorance or neglect, have simply said, you know, well, I've not registered. So under GDPR, great idea. Let's remove that. Let's remove that barrier. So now, because this is an act of law, you are, by very definition of of processing data, you are now operating under the rules of GDPR, and you are therefore registered with the ICO yes. by the very fact that you are processing data. You don't have to pay your yes. 35 pounds. A little bit of a grey area is that, um, as with all things, uh, you know, in law, you know, there's other laws, and then there's other things for us to consider. Um, there's something called the uh, Digital Economy Act, which is coming into force, which deals with uh, telecommunications and various other things, and um, and the transmit of of, of data Uh, that's going to be governed by Ofcom and they are actually stating that they are going to keep this idea of registering with with Ofcom that you are a a broadcaster if you like but again this is probably more more akin to organizations who are true broadcasters so these will be the social media companies these will be your television companies and your media outlets um, who are governed by Ofcom for us and i would say this to anybody watching this in any in line of industry and that is that you are now going to be operating under gdpr forget whether you've got to be registered or not um you just need to think about how you're treating that data
0: yeah yeah which is a a, a little bit of a um, a niggle because obviously um i registered earlier on this year with the ICO, and my my annual, um, you need to pay us again, email came round and obviously did that. And then obviously now we're into the GDPR grey areas and it's yep. not something that I needed. And, and, to... and,
1: and what, I would say, what I would say as well is that um, everything I've just said, as far as we're aware, is true. But <laughs> as, all, <laughs> yes. as all things with the law, the law, GDPR is not in place yet. The Digital Economy Act isn't in place yet. So lots of these things are still yet to settle. Um, and the rules yet to be clearly defined in case law. But I, you know, I, for, for me, again, coming to it from a very simplistic point of view, it's the law. The GDPR will come under under the Data Protection um, Bill, which will be the Data Protection Act. And um, we, we need to comply to it, and yeah. um, irrespective yeah. of the size or sector that you're operating.
0: Yeah, I mean, my mine is um, I have an approach of thirty five pound is better than any of the fines or anything that could happen should any of my clients' data be uh, hacked or uh, and obviously this is leading on to the encryption. Uh, yeah. There is something about I I see that thirty five pound as an investment in a way of showing my clients that I care about their data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm beginning
0: to sound. I'm beginning to sound like you that I care really? about data in this way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. it's like you'd be listening. Um, but but this is exactly that, you know, and, and lots of people, uh, if they're still listening, you know, maybe sat here now, um, worried about GDPR. Um, and I will, I will say again, what I said at the outset, which is that, you know, this is just simply about giving data proper respect. Um, this is not revolutionary. If you've been operating to the rules of the current data protection, data protection act, this is not going to trip you up. Yes, there are some uh, changes within it, and some quite uh, subtle changes, and some of them are quite um, fundamental changes in the way that we think about data. But you know, paying your thirty-five pound um, demonstrates uh, if you feel that that demonstrates to your clients that you take uh, data protection um, seriously. That's a good thing. GDPR allows you to build trust with your um, yeah. your clients. It allows you to uh, have a clearer view of the data that you hold, so you can protect it better. Um, so it could reduce, you know, the, the amount of files that you're having to keep. It will make you uh, a better organisation, a better individual. On a, you know, a, you know, because you'll be able to find the information quicker and you'll be more effective. So GDPR actually is a good thing, not something to be feared.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking two things here. People may need to invo- uh, invest in um, decent shredders for their offices for yeah. when you've when you've done with the data, and um, because there's something about once you don't need that data anymore, you need to get rid of it securely. Yeah. Um, and then I'm thinking about the the word encryption, and and again as you were talking, th- this often happens particularly in um, uh, uh, the world of communications nowadays, where we get asked to say something about a person that we've seen or we've done an assessment with, or you know for example um what i will say is when i worked at university uh, at worked when i was at, at university one of the things we did was we took case material to and from university so i always transported notes um double lock zipper bag thing that went into my rucksack that also locked uh, anything that had recorded diva, uh, data on it went into a, um, a lockable cabinet in so that when i'm transporting stuff you're keeping the data as safe as you can. Any USB sticks were encrypted. And this, What I'm thinking here is, this is where the issue around um, emails and whether they're encrypted or not. And I, mm. I'm just thinking about that. That might be a way of us talking about encryption.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, no, that is a good way. And everything you've just described there is an appropriate, um, security, uh, appropriate technical and operational um, security measure. It's a risk measure it's about assessing the risk and understanding what the risks are to the data to the thing that you're actually holding and um, encryption is often touted especially by it uh, companies that it that encryption is mandatory if anyone ever tells you that uh, in the lines of um, gdpr that encryption is mandatory, they are selling you snake oil and you are you have my permission to laugh in their face and turn around and walk away yeah. because You know, it's not mandatory. It is a control. So, you know, for all those people out there who do sell uh, encryption tools and such. Yes, it's a control. It is only offered as an example of the kind of control you can put in place. Um, It does also state within um, uh, the uh, the regulation, the GDPR that if encryption uh, is employed, then you may not have to inform the data subjects if there has been a data breach. But notice the key word is you may not have to inform them. You might still want to. You might have a moral obligation. You might feel, well, actually, yes, the data is encrypted, but Mm. it could be hacked. And it is of such a sensitive nature that I want to make sure that people uh, are aware. So you may decide to do that anyway. But um, so encryption, yes, it's important. But don't, you know, I say to people, don't hang your hat on encryption and think, oh, it's encrypted, so I don't have to worry yeah um but yes it's a great security it's a great measure but if you've got something that's on a recording you know all the things that you just mentioned there you you've applied appropriate security measures it could be that you put something in a, a, a you know a envelope that's um is sealed um and then you know it's given to a security guard and the security guard goes from a to b and transports it in the courier is a you know is a secure manner of, uh, of transferring data in that yeah. in that respect
0: yeah.
1: certainly yeah. putting it on a usb stick and then stick it in an envelope and put it in the post probably is not the best approach and certainly wouldn't be seen as appropriate technical or operational measures yeah so encryption is um yes important but it is not the be all and end all of your security um uh, that you, you need to be putting in place yeah and, and i guess that's the reason why i like to talk about encryption is because i, I hear about it all the time and it's one of the myths that um uh, again i i i sound people out by asking them what their views are and if they start saying oh yes it's mandatory i suddenly know that the person's an idiot and doesn't know what they're talking about
0: so, <laughs> yeah and and would have their passwords written down in a little
1: book that they carry around with uh, them absolutely because you, you know you just sort of point into this thing and you're kind of going well that's great you've encrypted all your data but you leave your front door unlocked and you leave all your files on your desk and you don't bother, you know. You know, you don't even know what encryption means. Is it encryption yeah. at rest? Is it encryption in transit? What What do you mean by encryption? And that's one of yeah. the, you know. But that's the modern day equivalent of when I ask people where their data is, and they go, "It's on the cloud," and they point to the sky.
0: Where like, Where it exists? It, okay. Where it
1: exists, of course, encrypted on the cloud. I've, yeah.
0: Then.
1: So um, so yeah, so it, it's uh, it is important. I know I'm being glib, but it's um, it's an important um risk management tool, but it's not the be all and end all. Um, You should look at, we've called it for years, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and we used to call it security in depth and, you know, layered security. And it's just, you know, if you think about security, almost like in the good old fashioned days of castles, you know, you had your outer wall and you had your inner keep and then you had a moat and then you did it, you know, and you kept all your valuables right in the center of that castle um and that's all we've got to think about is what is that layered approach to security don't just think oh i'm just going to trust that big door over there that encryption door to protect everything because it's not going to work
0: yeah and and this is one of the reasons why we have um insurance it's why it, it, there's there's just so much to be added on to this about you know when when we work as practitioners in whatever role that is uh, what we are doing and I'm, I'm thinking this is really that gdpr um, acronym that you have this is actually giving that data that respect that it deserves because if you think about it as a representation of that person you're mm. giving the person the respect rather than the numbers which you know rather um, and I'm going to geek out now with the ones and zeros
1: yeah um, absolutely yeah I, yeah yeah, absolutely um, and that's why I do say to people look you know this is why GDPR is so uh, important um, to us as, in, as individuals because it is about us it's about you know, um, it is those ones and zeros add up to people. And yeah. if you're treating um, data with respect and you're doing the right things, um, then you're not going to go far wrong. And I, when I do talk to, to organizations, large and small, and to individuals, I'll simply say, look, how would you like your data to be tracked? If you were giving your deepest, darkest secrets to somebody, like in a counseling session, if I was to do that um, uh, with you, uh, or, or you were to do that with me, would you like me to take your data and now just put it on a a phone and then just walk out the front door with it? I have no idea what you've done with that. Or to record it on a dictaphone. That's not secure any longer. You know, that a dictaphone, I'm sorry, is, you know, it's, you know, that is quite sort of 20th century, you know, 19th century technology. You know, we need to be thinking about state of the art means something that is encrypted. Um, yeah. If the information is on CCTV, it's, Well, where, what is that recording? And I've been asking those questions for years. You know, way before GDPR, you know, when I used to go into organizations, I would look around and say, right, so you have CCTV, who has access to that? Where is it stored? Is it stored physically in this building? And sometimes you'll say, oh, you know, in the good old, bad old days, it would be, yes, it's recorded. It's on a video recorder in that cupboard over there. You mean the one that has the, the mop in it? Yeah. Um, So it's recording and say, you know, it's stored in a room that somebody could just simply take the videotape or, you know, yes, the security guards have access to it. And we when did you last delete it? So it's just some very basic, very obvious questions that we need to start asking and and asking ourselves, is that treating that data with respect?
0: I've just had one of those really random questions. Do you think that people need to be advertising, not advertising? Yeah, advertising, I suppose, but you know, little little advert in the window saying this this CCTV camera pointing towards it records the data and keeps it on a, you know, but do we need well, we need to let the public know?
1: Yeah, well, if, funnily enough, the, there is a whole other rule and regulation around the use of CCTV yeah. that's way outside of GDPR and it's been there for some time. So um, fixed cameras um there should be signs up saying that this camera that there are cctv operating in this area so you'll see those signs from time to time and if you don't see those signs then that organization is operating against the law so
0: Ah, what about what about homes then gary because i'm i'm just talking about the organizations i walk past here but there are some homes
1: indeed so even then what what they need to be doing and absolutely and i find it i Again, this is why I love what I do, and you know, you're sort of in the world as well, is you, you kind of look around and go, breaking the law, you're breaking the law, that's not breaking the law, because it depends where the camera's pointed. Because if the camera's pointed onto a public pathway and they're recording people walking up and down the street, in actual fact, they're breaking the law. Because right. you, you're not, I don't have my you know the, the permission to do that. If it's, if it's protecting your front door and you're recording people coming up to your drive, so if it's on your drive, if it's on your, your doorstep, perfectly acceptable this is your property but if yeah. it's into a public byway and highway then in actual fights, you know you, you're actually breaking the law because you're recording people's comings and goings
0: yeah yeah
1: because yeah. you can imagine a situation if your camera is pointing onto this high street and uh, your two next-door neighbors come together and then start in a um, passionate clinch you've got some some fairly interesting information on your neighbors now haven't you <laughs> No, <laughs> so, not saying that's ever happened. I'm just saying that, uh, politically.
0: Yeah, I don't want to add on to that bit there, but <laughs> I've just had. Um, so, I'm I'm extrapolating again. So, what about parents filming their children in a park?
1: Ah, right. Okay. Well, that's an interesting one. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, we've gone, you know,
0: we've gone off tangent here slightly. Just
1: ever so slightly. We've gone. We moved, moved kind of away from GDPR. Yeah. So this. <laughs> This this is, this is going on for a couple of hours, yeah. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah. Let's let's come back to GDPR in a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. I mean, in terms of parents, obviously, from a parental perspective, you have your parental consent because you are the parent and you're recording your kids um, playing in the parks. Um. When it comes to other kids playing in the park, you know, it, it depends on you know that interaction and um, you know, I would always be very you know, unfortunately in this modern world that we live in. Um, be very careful about what you're doing what you are recording, but if it's your own kids and you're recording them and you know You're taking pictures and you're it's your
0: yeah
1: Yeah, it's up to the parents to decide you know the kids may not thank you for it in a few years time when um, you know that's all that information is out on the the uh, Social media that they never gave consent or happy about yeah. that's, that's another topic, which I think is more <laughs> for me to interview, interview you interview you
0: <laughs> yeah, you can see where I'm going with this. One. Can't I can't, yeah, anyway. can, yeah. I'm gonna Moving come. I'm, a yeah, I'm just thinking. Yeah, this is getting into my domain. I'll start. And st- the interview will swap round in a minute.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so views on this? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so where, where where were we? GDPR, right?
1: Are you say, Are you telling me you're bored with GDPR? I, no,
0: most? no, no, no. Um, I, what I'm not going to do is talk about. Um, so I'm aware that obviously I've mentioned a bit here about councils and so on, and I'm hoping that there will be some counselors who do actually watch this um and, and psychotherapists but i'm just thinking uh, i'm not going to start talking about skype and and the kind of because i'm actually interviewing somebody about that but what i will say is again that's about um data that's uh not not necessarily stored by either client or um therapist because of the the owner rights to skype data but i'll i'll leave that for another podcast so okay. if we go back to gdpr what do you think people um really need to do going forward so up until this point we've been basically wandering around quite blind um thinking that if we're registered with one association or that we write notes about clients or you know maybe in the health service that we store it in a cabinet what do you think people need to do going forward
1: um okay there's uh, there's a lot of things that we can I can suggest but and some of it is quite painful um and the painful parts are you know, fear. There is a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt being peddled around GDPR, as we know. Um, my my advice to anybody is, you know, if you've not read the regulations and you are operating specifically speaking to you now, Kathy. You know, within the counselling, the medical, um, uh, or even education sectors. You know, these are uh, these are sensitive. These are our kids that we're talking about here. You know, and um, and highly sensitive areas. Is read the regulation. Genuinely, it's it is not an impenetrable document. Um, you know, I'm no, I, I'm not a rocket scientist. You know, I'm a simple guy who understands tech and has come through, you know, work, read by reading manuals and documents and such. It is certainly no more technical than the stuff that you will know. You know, when some, when you and I have had conversations and some of the things you've talked to me about, you know, you're, you know, you blow my mind with some of the things. And, you know, I'm sure many people in the, um, counseling and psychology and medical industry will have far more technical documents to read than GDPR. It is worth reading. It's worth reading. For, it's you, it's talking about you anyway, you know, you're going to start getting letters from the banks and your building societies and your utility companies. So my first advice to anybody is read the regulation itself and see and apply it to you as an individual. What does it mean to you? And also then think about you and the people that you interact with on a professional level. Yeah. The moment you start doing that, it'll start dispelling a lot of the myths and the uncertainties. Um, so that's, that's the painful bit, I think, um, because I'm forcing you to read a 261-page document, which is a legal document. Um, but on a practical level, I always say to people, you cannot protect what you do not understand. Absolutely, so, yeah. On a practical level, sit down with a blank piece of paper in front of you, Write your own name in the middle, and then draw a circle around it. You're going to do a bit of a mind map. And all I'm going to ask you to do now is do a line out and just simply say, asking these questions, what data do I hold?
0: How much
1: do I hold? Where does that data sit? And who has access to it? That's only four questions you're going to ask yourself. And from those questions, you start to build out, right, okay, so what data do I hold? And by that, I don't just mean children's information. I mean, list it, name, address, telephone number, mom and dad's names, medical information, history, school, and all the information that you know you you hold and write it out on a big piece of paper. And once you start to get an idea of what the size of that is, you know, and how much data do you hold? I hold five pieces of information or I hold 50,000 pieces of information. You know, what, where is it? So that's the next question. Where does that information sit? It sits on a database, it sits in a filing cabinet, it sits within an archive box in my garage, Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: know, Mm -hmm. where where is it? Um, And then finally, who has access to it? And if you can do all of that, that's a good way to start.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to add on to that slightly because of um, A, what I have seen uh, in practice, but also something that I'm aware of, and this goes back to a conversation that I had with um, John from online events about um, I have a smartphone. So my smartphone will flash up the name of whoever's phoning me, or it will flash up the, the phone number. So one of the things I kind of talked with John about was Um, actually changing uh, uh, the names of clients or only using the first name or or, Mm -hmm. and that's that's obviously a level of data protection Mm. but also if you are of um, said old-fashioned like myself even though I'm techie I have a diary where I scribble things in about who's doing what and what I'm doing during the day Um, I have client initials and I never put anything that's identifying other than the initials Um, and quite often I don't generally put too much about the time or the day, apart from it's on the day and I know what that means to me because at the end of the day, I could leave my diary somewhere that could be found. Um, But also the one thing I wanted to say for counselors and clients is if you own a Fitbit or uh, an Apple iPhone uh, watch, anything that you wear on your wrist that is connected with your device you need to be aware that you will also be displaying information on the front of your wrist to Mm -hmm. the person you're in a conversation with.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, that's a good, actually it's it's a really nice sort of, as you say, an addition to what I said there, because once you start to get build a picture of where your data is, who has access to it and, and, um, where it's stored, that's where you start saying, actually, it's on my mobile phone. Actually, I have got a Fitbit, and it will actually come up on my phone as well, on my wrist as well. And then you start to think about, and ultimately, the the direction you're going with with all of that is, okay. So now I've got a clear picture of all the data and where it sits and who has access to it. And what it looks like, what are the risks, and that's the big the the the, the yeah. next stage. What are the risks? So. Well, you know clearly again, if you've read GDPR and it talks about um, uh, data minimization, you know not storing vast amounts of data, if, you say, if you're sat there saying, well actually I've got um, and I don't know you know if this is a right, good number, but if you said I've got 15 active clients that I work with at the moment, but on my computer I've got 2,000 records. well, why have you got 2,000 records? Do you really need to keep 2,000 records? When you're only dealing with 15 people now you might need to i don't know i mean that's a you know level of yeah. questioning that you would need to go through but the, but what you need to do is then say well what is the risk well the risk is that 2,000 people's information could be exposed if my computer was ever uh, hacked into or i was to lose my laptop or something was to to go wrong yeah so yep. It, it, absolutely what you said there it's you know think broader than right okay now I know where my data is it's what's the risks
0: yeah okay I think that might be a good place to end because this is um, slightly longer than that well I mean we anticipated it was going to be slightly longer than half an hour but also it's got most of the information in that I, I, I suspect most people will need who are um, practitioners. People working in public places and obviously we don't want to undersell the fact that we might be doing a webinar on this or people may well need to come to you for business purposes and come in and get in some some real advice about actually how how they do things individually Um, absolutely and and and
1: that's something that you know obviously you know we're we're, we agency we're a commercial enterprise that's what we do we advise people on how to run GDPR and, and other security programs Uh, and putting those controls and such Um, but you know there is a lot of misinformation out there and you know what we're talking about is just distilling this down to you know some honest good steps that you should be uh, should be taking so uh, the offers there for uh, assistance that uh, we can provide through webinars or whatever other medium Um, and I can obviously talk about this for quite some time
0: yeah yeah and I, th- I think that's one, of the, that's one of the things I'm trying to minimise is we could be here all day. So just a, uh, an introduction to GDPR and all that jazz, as we're going to call this. Um, but everything, everything that a councillor would need to know at this stage about registering. And obviously, any questions can be directed to you, Gary, at, um, at the Gary Agency on Twitter, but also via your website. All details are at the end of this podcast on YouTube. So we have a slide with um, your website on there where people can come and contact you directly. Great. Um, obviously, what we needed to do is uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast because there will be more and more uh, conversations like this. Um, so for today, Gary, thank you very much for your time.
1: You're very welcome. Nice talking to you.